Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. On this Monday episode, we are visited by council member-elect Jessica Yeager. We're going to be talking about City of Spokane Valley things as well as elder care issues, her wheelhouse, after some inspiration. Our inspiration today is going to be refreshing words. Standing in the kitchen, my daughter exclaimed, Mom, there's a fly in the honey. I quipped back with the familiar words, You will catch more flies with honey than vinegar. While this was the first time I'd accidentally caught a fly with the honey, I found myself quoting this modern proverb because of its wisdom. Kind requests are more likely to persuade others than a bitter attitude. The book of Proverbs gives us a collection of wise proverbs, and sayings inspired by God's Spirit. These inspired sayings help to guide us and teach us important truths about how to live in ways that honor God. Many of the Proverbs focus on interpersonal relationships, including the profound effect our words can have on each other. In a section of Proverbs attributed to King Solomon, he warned against the harm caused by speaking falsely against a neighbor. He counseled that a sly tongue results in dreary relationships. Solomon warned against the chilling effect of constantly using complaining words, and the king encouraged readers that blessing comes when our words bring good news. As we seek to apply these truths, we have God's Spirit who helps give us a proper answer. Empowered by Him, our words can be sweet and refreshing. Heavenly Father, please help us to reflect your compassion in our intentions by using gracious and kind words. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, gracious and kind words. That's uh, something on our show we, we have to remember because uh, oftentimes we talk about uh, government and uh, I, don't, I don't, Shannon, always have kind words. But, you know, government is there. We have to pay for it. And so we're hoping for a good result from that. And we also uh, hope from uh, elections a, a decent result where people are there to represent us in changing government or maintaining things that do work that we pay for. We have a person in the studio today with us in Jessica Yeager, who is council member elect in the city of Spokane Valley. Welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me again. So the election's over. You're not quite sworn into office. That's going to happen in January? I believe January 2. January 2nd. Okay. And you're starting to look at the city government and the budgets. And it's kind of a difficult time to, to jump into public service where you see things that are in the economy that might be scary, but overall the economy in the city of Spokane Valley hasn't been doing too bad. It hasn't been doing too bad. It's this weird kind of teenage stage. I wasn't really, I didn't know what to expect in these eight weeks, you know, after the election. And so it's been some meetings and I've got a training this, uh, this Saturday and um, an orientation at city hall this Thursday. And so there's lots of stuff happening. It's just like, you can't do anything about it. And so you're just reading and looking at budgets and at least because I've looked at them a lot before, but it's like, you know, kind of refreshing and so it'll be, it'll be a fun new adventure come January. Well, as a citizen, you're and as a candidate looking at the budgets, looking at the policies of the city council, you can see the end result. But now you're in there, and you're going to start seeing the way that the sausage is made. You're not just going to mm-hmm. see the links at the end of the road. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit different. I looking at it, right? You, you're like, okay, now I can actually start helping make some decisions about it versus just, well, maybe. And so uh, I, I'm kind of reading through like the homeless 
plan. And I have lots of questions written in it. And now I can actually ask those and get some clarification on them. So I'm kind of excited about that. Um, it's been kind of one of the things that was on my platform that I wanted to work on anyway. And so it's it's just a different eye looking at it, but still not an adult yet. So I'm still growing into my teenage body. Still, still growing <laughs> into the position. And, and there are a lot of things in local government now that obviously you got the state and the state budget and the different kinds of transportation grants and things. And then you've got other local communities that the elections change other municipal governments around you. And you brought up like the homeless coalition. I don't remember what the name of it was. I think it was homeless coalition, but we'll just call it that unless you can come up with what they were actually calling it. And this includes other local governments. And as that was being forged and being presented as a viable solution is having a regional approach. Well, how do you collaborate with people that are no longer in office that kind of wanted to push this forward? And, and as elections happen every two years and you see council members change in other municipal areas, how do you get a long-term solution through a regional approach if the people that are elected in office see it differently? You know, that's a really good question because that came up in one of my other interviews. I can't remember who it was with, but um, I think it was the book and home builders because they're like every two years we get something different coming through and it's like, let's have some sustainability here with just like keeping things somewhat the same. But um, no, it is the regional homelessness coalition, I think is what you were referring to, but that's kind of waxing and waning as we've gone through these last 10 months. And, um, you know, for me, I was told by someone down in the city here, Spokane, that they need us more than we need them, meaning, quite frankly, they need Spokane Valley money in order to make this regional approach work better. Um, This was probably four or five months ago. But for me, it's like I was elected to represent those in the Spokane Valley we do have to get along with everybody else. And of course, again, back to that teenager spot, like yeah. there's other people that are coming and going from the city of Spokane where we're going to have to see, you know, who gets onto those committees and that kind of stuff because it is changing. Oh, well, then all that's going to be reformatted. All these elected officials that change seats, they're going to be doing um, more appointments for boards and commissions mm-hmm. and things like that. Either they're going to be on them or they're going to appoint a citizen that probably helped them get elected. That's typically how it goes. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see uh, different voices on some of these, you know, regional boards, whether it's Spokane Transit Authorities Board or, and, and you don't know what boards you're going to end up on I yet. Yeah. So you're, you're still working on that process. So just so citizens know, it maybe you're not quite there yet, but maybe you're more familiar with it. You're going to be not just sitting there on the dais of the city of Spokane Valley. You're going to be on different boards and commissions. And I know that you'd probably like to be on the uh, elder care kind of committees, right? There's the long-term and aging. Is Mm -hmm. it long-term and aging and long-term care? Aging and long-term care of Eastern Washington. Yeah, all cute. So we'll we'll talk about that in the second half. I think that um, maybe we need to talk about the city side before we get there. But uh, looking at these boards and commissions, where are you hoping to be? And is the the new council members coming in and the veteran council members, are you guys talking so that these um, commitments, these appointments can be positioned to the people that were elected or are already there for the good of the citizens? So you have the most experience, most knowledge going into these meetings? Well, and I think that would be the goal. The, the thing is in Sp- Spokane Valley, 
we elect the mayor from the body of the council. Um, so it's not a strong mayor. It's it's actually a city manager form of government. And so once we're in there and sworn in, then that's kind of one of our first things that we need to do is elect that mayor. And then that mayor helps kind of decide, you know, who's available for what. So if our mayor changes, um, then we might see a little bit of difference with who goes on different committees and things. But I really think that, you know, using our talents and our history or, you know, our special knowledge is really what will help move the needle the most, which aging and long-term care would make a lot of sense for me. Um, so I would like to be on that, but, um, you know, if they put me on STA or something, I'll have to figure it out. Well, so. there, well you can't know everything, and there's going to yeah. be boards and commissions that council members uh, might not know about. Obviously, there's things that have to do with building and planning and regional approaches on zoning, and I don't know what all committees there are available to the city of Spokane Valley, but I know there's a handful of them. Some of that commitment is traveling over to Olympia to advocate for your city or the residents on mm-hmm. certain state policies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember if there are 16 or 23 of them. I can't can't quite see it in my head right now. But um, 16 or 23, somewhere in different, there, different, different yeah. committees. And, yeah. And so that's spread out between seven people. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your your mayor and you don't know who the next mayor is going to be because you don't know who is, is this a process where they actually run for the position or it's by appointment and then you have a debate on, on who's put in the mayor's position. I feel right now, like there's a lot of back end discussion on that of who may have votes and who may not have well, votes. So <laughs> well, we see how interesting and sometimes uh, not very flattering of a process it is just in standard elections when mm-hmm. you're talking about seven votes And there's going to be some folks on there that want to be mayor that maybe not all seven want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not running out there to upset the apple cart too much, but you know, I just, I think that experience matters and I I would like to see things kind of stabilize. Like I said, with like, um, what were we talking about just a second ago with, you know, everything changing every two years, let's stabilize some stuff. Let, Let the people get in there, get their feet wet, get their feet underneath them Mm -hmm. before you get thrown to the wolves. Yeah, and there's only two of us that are brand new, brand new, brand new. So the rest of them have been there. Um, at so you're going to be looking. You're going to be looking to them to answer questions about how some of these processes work because the city of Spokane Valley. When we're like talking about the regional approach to homelessness. The city of Spokane built the infrastructure. Part of the problem downtown is that we said mental health services, drug addiction services. They planted it all right in the city center, mm-hmm. and then they wonder why they've got the problem in the city center. Now they'd like other legislative districts, other cities, other municipal governments to chip in to pay for the solution that uh, the city of Spokane has decided to put their money into. Well, and the Valley's doing it a little bit different. You know, we're trying to make, you know, if we have resource X, that it can't be over 20 people. Um, if we... And these are all big ifs because it's in this potential plan, right? And so if there's a parking lot for cars, no more than 20, 20 cars. And so I think keeping it smaller, but then the question is where do we put them in, in what pockets? Because there was a transitional housing unit that was going to go in and, and the citizens were not pleased about it. Well, that is one of the things that uh, has to be dealt with at the governmental level. And if government runs programs or allows certain policies... Uh, that's part of being an elected office, and it's tough because 
of things. They call it NIMBYs, right? Not in my backyard. Yes. And when it comes to tough things, everybody's a NIMBY, right? Mm -hmm. There's people that will advocate for said policy, but the second you want to put it in their neighborhood, they're like, uh, I was for this, but not here. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. one of the... Put it in the, the industrial zone. <laughs> put it, yeah, right. Well, and, and kind of what's happened is that it's, let's put it in Spokane in the city and downtown. And so they've done that. Now we looks like we have a mayor that in the past has advocated for those uh, homeless encampments and parking lots and funded uh, a lot of money towards the Camp Hope that was, or Camp Dope that we had. Mm -hmm. So it, it's going to be a, an ongoing conversation. And the rule of law, I think, in the city of Spokane, uh, politically is a different narrative than in the city of Spokane Valley. So uh, just the last minute here of the first half, just tell us about the, the law enforcement side of things and what, what the approach in the Valley has been, what you think you're looking at uh, to represent citizens. Well, it was recommended um, of the survey that we did that was um, quite some time ago. It just took some time to get it out. Um, 26 new officers, detectives with support staff kind of conglomeration of, of those, um, which obviously we can't just go out and hire 26. Uh, we have to put these bodies somewhere when they're working. I mean, it's going to cost a lot more money. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the approach that we take to bring on higher levels of, of policing in the city of Spokane Valley. But I'm, I'm for a strategic approach to that. Yeah, definitely having a strategy and not throwing money at it is smart because, of course, you can fund positions and there's no one available. I, of course, I did hear uh, a couple of weeks ago there was like in one year, 2,500 officers left the city of New York. And I think other cities that have been run uh, poorly, their law enforcement are looking for better places to live. So mm -hmm. maybe you can attract some of those officers to the city of Spokane Valley. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back again with city council member elect. Jessica Yeager, and we're going to talk about her wheelhouse and why she wants to be on the Aging Long-Term Care uh, Committee or Board. She'll straighten me out on that verbiage after the break, so don't go anywhere. I'm dreaming of a wise Christmas. You know, whether we have a lot of snow or not, Right Spokane Perspective wants to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas with these words that Shannon has for you. The giving of gifts is not something man invented. God started the giving spree when he gave a gift beyond words, the unspeakable gift of his son, Mr. Robert Flatt. Thanks again from Right Spokane Perspective, and thank you listeners who have supported us to keep us on the air by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and donating or by sending those donations to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620-99207. Have a Merry Christmas. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this Monday episode. Again, we are visited by Jessica Yeager, council member-elect. I got schooled a little bit during the break. It's ALT-Q, Aging and Long-Term Care of Eastern Washington. That is the committee that's making a lot of decisions here locally for our elderly members of the community. So we'll have Jessica jump in and tell us about your wheelhouse a little bit, how government's involved and, and uh, what that committee does. Man, well, we only have 14 minutes for this. So 
<laughs> um, so basically, my history is working with seniors. I used to run assisted livings. Um, now I do what we call placement. I hate the word, but um, it's basically where mom and dad can no longer live at home. So we have to find out where they're going to live, whether that's an adult family home. Um, maybe they've fallen and broken their hips, so they got to go through skilled nursing after a hospital stay. But they have stairs, so they may need to go to an assisted live or, you know, they're really independent. So we put them into an independent living, anticipating decline, you know, within five, 10 years. And We'll have to figure out plan B after that. But it's all highly regulated. And so the state helps and comes in to regulate, you know, how far away from the ground does the um, the rail have to be for holding on through the hallways. like 29 to 32 inches. <laughs> Somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I've, I've dealt with regulations. And, and, you know, when regulations change... It's easy sitting in a room saying, well, you know, we mm-hmm. read this study that came out of the UK and somebody suggests we should probably make it 29 and a half inches. And you're like, what? That's going <laughs> to cost like every facility, like a ton of money. And that's not really going to improve care. So there's cost to regulation yeah. and it needs to be done thoughtfully. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, it's for good things too. We want people that are educated and certified to be taking care of your loved ones. They're so important to us and uh, so background checks are always a good thing I yeah think. and drug tests drug testing's good i think so i think so but we just have to make sure that the people that we're caring for um are being cared for in the right way and so aging and long-term care of eastern washington is a is a state-run program and there's a lot that goes into senior care there's residential care services they are the um the board that cites those regulations and and forces you to adhere to them. We have a lot of people in the community who can't afford $8,000 a month for care, and that's like just about the minimum when you talk assisted live or um, adult family home. I also work for a caregiving company. I'm just the placement side. And so, you know, our minimum kind of is almost 2000 a month, and then it can go up to about 30000 a month for 24-hour in-home care. And so that's where they come into your home, take care of the laundry and the cleaning and give you a bath and do some meal prep. So it can be very, very costly. And a lot because of us... That's, a, that's not just for the person that's doing the basic caregiving. That also is including uh, outside nursing coming in and things like that, right? No. So that is um, home health. So we could do a whole nother show on levels of care. Oh, okay. (laughs) But home health is the clinical side. This is activities with daily living. And so what we really want to make sure of more than anything, especially because right now no one wants to put mom somewhere or, you know, tell dad that he's not doing a good enough job, you know, on his own. He hasn't had a bath in three weeks. But this time is really, sometimes it can be slow for us in this segment of healthcare because no one wants to do anything before the holidays. And then we get slammed with people who should have been moved in November or September. And we're actually finally moving and doing something in January because they didn't, they wanted mom and dad to enjoy one more last holiday at home. But what you're doing in effect is actually harming them by not having those conversations. And so for me, I'm always an advocate of just talking about it sooner, earlier, I know it's super exciting over Thanksgiving dinner to, hey, dad, you know, have you considered whether you want um, to be a DNR or not? But when it really comes down to it, 
having those DNR, conversations. DNR, not Department of Natural Resources. <laughs> it's, uh, do not resuscitate. Do not resuscitate, yes, right? thank you. So there's all these acronyms, <laughs> I know. right? I've, I, I got to keep track of them myself, too, because oh, so it's not DNR, because I'm sure Grandpa would really like to do DNR because he loves fishing and hunting, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, you know, the do not resuscitate things longer conversation than whether he's going for trout or bass, right? So, mm-hmm. but it, and it's so tough. I, it's crazy to me to learn over the years the holiday season, it's the time where you spend it with family, the mm-hmm. ones you love. But it's also the worst time in most people's lives because uh, domestic violence goes up during the holidays through with families. You have these family crises that get mm-hmm. ignored during the holidays. And so you're saying that in the elder care world, you guys get slammed after the holidays. I think maybe some of it is the family actually gets with the family long enough to realize there's a need that's not being filled. When you find tennis filled. shoes in the refrigerator, you're like, "What's mom, what are you doing? <laughs> right, yeah. She's like, well, I thought that's where they went. So, so there's, no? <laughs> there might be a little bit of both, people not just holding off and waiting, but they actually are going in. And that's something I think at Christmas time we should assess. If you don't spend a lot of time with your elder family members, now's the time. Pay attention. Don't just show mm-hmm. up and, yeah, we'll make sure we do the dishes because you're not getting around. Maybe yeah. look at what's going on under the surface because grandma wanted to make sure everything was nice and clean, mm-hmm. but it all went under the bed. Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, you guys. We're all headed that direction. Doesn't I mean, we were born, therefore we must die. And we never know when that's going to happen. But the best thing you can do for your family, for your loved ones, is to make your wishes known Um, and you know, say I'm 82, I'm doing really pretty good, but why don't I go, go look at some assisted livings or independent livings that can become assisted? Because if I fall and break my hip on the ice outside, like I will have already chosen where I think I want to go, at least give it a top three, Mm -hmm. because then that way I'm choosing and I'm not telling my daughter, Hey, I know I'm stuck in this bed here. Will you go find my assisted live for me? Cause I can't go home. Like you put that responsibility on someone else. You just get some pictures off of a phone and you're like, okay, I guess my stuff's going to go there next week and I'm moving. You know, it really puts a lot of responsibility on the family when you don't tell them what your wishes are ahead of time. So it's important for those that are struggling to have the full independence that they would like. It's important that they communicate to their family while they've got their family uh, around at the holiday mm-hmm. season because they're busy, they're raising kids, they're working two jobs, whatever. But it's also important for those families that don't see those aging individuals very often in their family to kind of be cognizant of what's going on so they can step in and maybe make those suggestions of, hey, maybe we need to take actions in this this kind of way. And it's really, I think, important that, like you said, they break a hip. A broken hip oftentimes is an end-of-life situation and they elderly people give up because they lose all independence it's not just some it's not independent living or assisted living it's like the loss of everything and so they stop eating and so i've seen this play out a few times in my life and obviously grandpa thinks he's tough as nails it snows it's got six inches of Mm -hmm. snow but he's been retired he's kind of inactive and he goes out there and he's gonna shovel the whole thing all at once and there's that heart attack Mm -hmm. yep well, and it, like I just bought some new shoes the other day because I'm out in the muck a lot and my back's been hurting. So I bought shoes that probably would be more helpful instead of stylish <laughs> for the first time ever. <laughs> like, Man, my back's been hurting. But, you know, just bringing on services, 
at an earlier time and having those conversations is helpful because the biggest thing that I see is fear in my clients of, and that's the uh, unknown. So get out there and go look, go ask the questions. It doesn't mean someone's coming into your home tomorrow to clean your stove and take over your life. It's about a relationship and it's about having someone that when the blank hits the fan, you can call them and say, what do I do? And, and it's about that relationship. They're like, Hey, yeah, we know who you are. Let's figure out something. We'll be there tomorrow. You know, last week I went out to a house and took me two hours to do a bed change because I don't do them very often. And she was in a lot of pain. We have way gone past that threshold of living in our home when you, you can no longer get out of bed. And, and so we had to get her transition to the hospital to get her somewhere safe. What if a fire had started, you know, in her home that night? And so it's all about safety first. And I know people don't like downsizing or what I call right-sizing, but you have to do it in order to have that quality of life. And sometimes if you do it sooner than later, you actually have better outcomes. Better quality of life, people that live a little bit longer, they don't <laughs> give up on life because they're able to transition into something that's workable before they're into those in-life mm -hmm. discussions. Yeah. You always have more choices when you're making them in advance than being from hospital to skilled to... Now, hold on. We just <laughs> did the first half about you going into municipal government. You're an elected official. Those guys like making emergency declarations and emergency... Emergency yep. <laughs> management is always the worst, which is why with our loved ones, we don't want it to be like government where it's emergency mm -hmm. management. It's looking at the future. How do you care for this person? What level of care? Yep. Do, they, do they need a ramp? You know, very mm -hmm. simple things. Yeah. Well, and that's the cool thing um, that if someone calls me and just needs to ask about resources, I'm going to point you in the right direction. doesn't mean I'm going to try to sell you something or move you. So, so you're still working in the industry. Is this a, mm -hmm. your own, are, is it your own business or nope. you're working for a? Nope. I work for Angel Senior Care. We do home care and placement services for okay. Spokane County. Um, I can take people, you know, across the state if they need or Pullman or wherever they want to move. So. Okay, so this is Angel... Angel Senior Care. Angel Angel Senior Care. I think mm -hmm. I've heard the advertising out there a few times. Uh, there's another competitor that has TV ads. We it's don't. a very similar name. Yeah. yeah. It sounds kind of like sounds kind of edgy there. I mean, doing advertising, but it's the same name. I don't know. It's very similar. Very similar. So in placing people, and I know you said you didn't like the, the title... A placement officer, right? Is that what kind of what they call yeah, you? Yeah, I kind of call myself an aging specialist because if I come into your aging house specialist. and we need hospice or home health or like sometimes I come in with my fire hose and we just have to put it out, you know. Um, so placement is what I get paid for, but really just triage and taking care of people and send them in the right direction is more important to me. But yeah, so when so people placement. call again, it's Angel Angel Senior Care. Angel Senior Care, they can say. I need Jessica Yeager to come like do an assessment of what's going on here. Is that what kind of what you guys do? Absolutely. And then you go make an assessment, make recommendations. And I think maybe that's one of the things that a lot of us probably are going to struggle with, with our aging population is that how do you have that discussion with mom or dad? They're going to throw their coffee cup at you, right? <laughs> you know, depending on how your mom and dad are dealing with, you know, the dementia or whatever it is they're going mm -hmm. through. Uh, sometimes it's better to have a third party come in to make recommendations and come up with ideas so that it's not, you know, 
Well, just having one. the words, because I'm not coming in here to tell you what to do. I'm coming in here to bring resources to make you have the most independence that you can have and create a plan for maybe five years later. This is costly. And so we need to think about, you know, all that stuff. It's medical, legal, financial, social stuff. If my daughter is coming over to give me a bath every other day, her back's hurting. She doesn't exactly want to clean mom's undercarriage. So why don't we have a professional do it? And my daughter can be my daughter. So it's a lot about family relationships too. Yeah, those are all important things to consider as well. A lot of our aging population don't want to be a burden to their children but because decisions aren't made as uh, that declining health ha- just happens to us all. Um, we don't make the decision early on, then guess what? It is our children that have to do it. If, yeah. if we have children, and that's the other thing, is do you ever get calls from like neighbors that say we got this elderly person? I it's do. Like a, like a well-checked kind of thing. I mean, because that's the other thing. Maybe we've got it handled for our children or our aging parents, but we don't know what's going on with the elderly neighbor. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many great programs like Meals on Wheels and, and you know, we're trying to keep eyes on people. And so there, there's a lot out there that, that we can bring to the plate to give people options and some oversight. But Well, very good. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time for today's show, but I'm, I'm glad we had this conversation. I hope everyone enjoys the holiday with their family and also looks out for those elders and what needs they might have. They can contact Jessica Yeager, it sounds like. Yeah. Or uh, Angel. Angel Senior Care. Angel Senior Care. And um, also, I want to congratulate you on your win in the city of Spokane Valley, council member elect. Next time I talk to you, I'm going to have to be a little bit nicer because you'll actually be in the seat. No, I'm just me. All All right. Well, I'll look forward to having you back on more information on the city of Spokane Valley and what's going on there. All that being said, folks, we'll be with you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.